excited to see everyone in the house of God today. I guess you're, uh, I guess you're surviving the cold. You made it here, so uh, praise God for your presence. And if you are a guest, let me say without Erica, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here today. Grow groups are tonight, and or, well, some of them are in the daytime today. Some are tonight, uh, so no, not an evening service tonight. But our our groups. If you don't have a grow group. If you don't have a group that you are part of, uh, I'd like you to consider it. In fact, maybe do one of those things you've been putting off and do something about that today. Um, Haley is going to wave it everybody. Haley. Haley's going to be uh, in the East Lobby at the desk following this service. And if you've not joined a grow group or you've not tried one out, uh, Haley will be there. She can help you. She's got all the information you'll need and will help direct you to a place to connect tonight or this afternoon. Uh, we've got groups that meet exactly right after this service. They eat some throughout the afternoon, some of the evening. So go by uh, the desk in the East Lobby, talk to Haley, and see where you could go tonight for your grow group. I don't need you to forget that the annual business meeting is on February 21st, and uh, lots of good things. I'm going to be talking to you about something important regarding that meeting next week, so uh, be sure and be part of it. Uh, and um, two other things. Our Multiply Conference that's coming the February 28th, 29th, and March 1st that we're hosting here. Now, for all of us, this is going to be our regular spring revival. Uh, that's a, Actually, that week, it's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. So that'll be regular revival for as far as you're concerned, like we would normally have in the spring. You come to it, and the evening service is 7 o'clock. But this is also a conference for our network of churches and pastors. And so we have uh, many churches and pastors and, uh, and, and their leadership teams that are going to be here that week to, to be blessed by refuge. And so I, I, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you can, be present with us during the daytime uh, on Thursday and Friday. Uh, there'll be services on both mornings at 1030 and then breakout sessions, some concerning finances, some concerning outreach, different areas. And uh, maybe some of you would say, I, you know, I never get to come to Revival because it's evening services and I don't drive at night or those kinds of things. Here you go. Morning services Thursday and Friday of that week on at 1030. Uh, and then just in general, be present at this conference to receive, but also be present to give because these folks who are coming, these pastors and churches are coming here to fill up on something. They're coming here because they've connected to us and they, they want to experience what God does here. And so I'm encouraged you come ready to minister and, and, and just cause those, those guests to leave having had a great experience to where they can go home fueled up and fired up and ready to take, uh, take their areas for the kingdom of God. And then one final note that has to do particularly with the conference. Um, after a very long hiatus, uh, I am going to bring back uh, the, uh, the Refuge Choir. Now, some of you have been around long enough know exactly what that's about, and uh, some of you don't. Uh, I, but if you're, here's what I need you to do. We're going to use this for special occasions. I can't do it every week anymore, um, but I do want to have it available for special occasions. We're going to minister at the conference. If you're interested in being part of that, I need you to email me, okay? Here's my email. Take out your phone or your notebook right now. My email address is Matt. Two T's at refugechurchag.com. Matt at refugechurchag.com. All you got to do is let me know you're interested and the way to get in contact with you. Um, a cell number really is what we need. 
um, because I'm going to get with you and get you the rehearsal schedule of how we're going to make this work if you're interested. This has been if you were in before or if you've never been, but you're like, oh, well, I might be interested in that. Check it out. But if you're interested, uh, shoot me an email. That's, that's something that I lead, so we do it my way. If you know what I'm like, then you probably can guess what the music is like and the way we do things. Um, so uh, if you're interested, give me an email. One more thing this morning, and I do have a word for you, I promise, but there's so many important things going on, I'm not going to neglect any of it. Um, s- about seven days from now, we have another team of people leaving to head to Mexico to build uh, on a church facility there. And so uh, that team leaves before we'll have another Sunday service. So I want to recognize them, and I want us to pray over them. So if you're here, I know all of them aren't here, but uh, if you're here on the MAPS team, you're going on the MAPS trip, would you, would you come and just, just join me right down here in this altar area so that we can pr- recognize you and pray over you this morning and get ready to send you out? I know we, just, we don't have everybody here, but we do have a few. Um, and so we're praying for the others that aren't present, uh, but we're thankful to get to send out another team Tim, you don't have any idea which number it is. I know it's 30-something trips, but I don't, I don't know what number it is, but it's way up in the 30s now of, uh, of trips to build in either other countries or here. And uh, so uh, going to Chihuahua again, Chihuahua, Mexico, they'll be gone sa- this coming Saturday through the next Saturday. So you'll be in prayer for them that whole time for all the different areas. Uh, but it's a building project, so you want to bless. What's the name of the church, Tim? King of Kings, King of Kings Church, okay, in Chihuahua. So there's the church to pray for. This is the team to pray for and some others. Um, but, uh, but we want to, would you, would you lift up your heart and your voice and you pray over them? Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to send out for missions work this team this week, to build on your house, to give people in Chihuahua a chance to meet you. So Lord, we pray over this team, first of all, for there to be a great sense of your peace and your order. I pray that all of their travel would be in order in the name of Jesus and there would be no hindrances. Lord, we pray for your covering of protection over their safety and also their health in the name of Jesus. We believe for you to cause all the work to be aligned to where there's no hindrances. Lord, the supply lines are open, that everything is be in order so that they can do and accomplish the work. We pray for the weather to be in order. We pray, oh God, for you to cause the team to gel and everyone to find their place quickly and for the absolute most possible uh, work to be done. Father, we believe for that. We believe for great joy, great strength, and we thank you for this team. And Father, now we bless them. Every one of them, those who are here, those who are not, we bless them in the name of Jesus to go as missionaries this week for your kingdom. Lord, that there would be a great fruit and a great harvest that would come at King of Kings Church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm I'm surprised them. They don't even know yet, but I've talked to the missionary this week. We worked on a church five or six years ago there. Uh, It's close to this church we're working on. I can't even remember the name of it. The pastor uh, got a, a vision and started this church, and we went and worked on the walls, uh, got them up about 10 foot high, and then the neighborhood did not like hearing music on Sunday. So they fought and fought and fought them. The government has took their building from them. So Tuesday night, we're going to go to church with them in a tent where they're having church outside of town, 
the pastor there, she wanted us, she heard we were coming back. She wanted us to come so we could see what we could do for them in the future. So be praying for us and that church on Tuesday night so we can, I don't, I don't know why she wants us. She thinks we're going to come back and build another church, but which is fine. We, we will do that, but just uh, be in prayer for them. If we, we need more people also, so um, be praying for it next year. Ten is a, a good minimum. We've only got six this year, but we've had up to 42, I believe, on one trip that went to Jamaica. So uh, we can take as many people as can go, so be in prayer for that next year. Thank you all. How many of you want Refuge to become a Book of Acts church? I mean, book of, what, do you, what do you mean by Book of Acts? I mean that what you see in the Book of Acts would be seen at Refuge. No difference. That where you see, uh, where you see folks uh, in multiplied fashion coming into the kingdom of God, out of darkness, into light. Where you see people like Acts 19, where they drop their sorcery and their witchcraft and their destruction, and they walk away from Satan, and they walk into the arms of Jesus. I want to see that here at Refuge. Where you see the blind seeing and the lame walking, I want to see that at Refuge. Where where you see the bound being delivered from every kind of demonic oppression. Uh, we want to see that at Refuge. And I'm thankful that we've been blessed to see many, many great things. But, but, but there's more. There's more. And why do I know there's more? Because there's more people who need it. There's more people who are lost. There's more people who are hurting and bound and don't even know the name of Jesus. So our work's not done. So we know that we are, uh, we are here and we say, Lord, we don't want any difference between the Book of Acts Church and our church. The world needs a Book of Acts Church right now. The world needs a church that knows how to bring people hope, that knows how to give people something more than just a philosophy and a creed, but a real encounter with a God that can change their life and bring them the same breakthrough some of you got today. And whatever their problem is, it's not bigger than the God we serve. And whatever their sin is, it's not bigger than the blood of Jesus that was already shed for us. And whatever they're finding themselves in, trapped in, snared in, enslaved by, is not bigger than the power of God to deliver them and give them a hope and a future and that those that are confused and those who have no identity and those who have no purpose would come to find out that the God who created them gave them a great purpose and identity when he made them and he wants them to come home and experience him. This is the place for the world to see God, but we need to be in Book of Acts Church to experience that. The world needs a Book of Acts Church and the good news is we can become the Book of Acts Church. We are already on the way. We have the same call from God. We have the same instructions that Jesus gave them. We have we have the same Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit inside of you is the same as was in Peter and in Paul and all the apostles and on the day of Pentecost. Same Holy Spirit. It's not an acultural spirit. It's not an Americanized spirit. It's not, it's not a watered down spirit. You have the same power of God from on high that saved Peter out of a life of fishing and being vulgar and made him a tremendous apostle. Same Holy Spirit is working in your life. Same Holy Spirit that when they walked upon a man of God a man who was at the temple gate bound in his affirmity for years and years and years. All they had to do was say, look on us, such as we have, we give to you. You have the same thing to give this morning. You don't have a less Jesus. You've got the same Jesus. The same, he's, a, he's yes, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not a weaker Jesus. He's not an American Jesus. He is the same God he's always been. No reason for us to have uh, less expectation. In fact, we have things now they didn't have. We have an entire Bible 
They didn't have canonized scripture yet. They had what we know to be the Old Testament. But they certainly didn't have all of the apostolic writings. They didn't have a recorded, uh, yet a recorded uh, gospel message orderly like we do. We have, and we've had 2,000 years of church experience. So we ought not expect less. We ought to expect the same and even greater. The culture may have changed and the times may have changed. Methods of communicating with people may have changed. But God has not changed. Ephesians 5 doesn't call us to be imitators of God and then it's not possible some way. Jesus didn't declare we'd do the same works he did and greater except we can't. No, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. No, it's time for someone in this hour, some church in this day to stand up and say that the God of the apostles is the God of refuge. And we're ready to walk, listen, in the same purity and in the same power. I mean our character being pure and the power of God flowing through us. I mean you can look at us and see holiness, the purity and the character and the nature of God. And you can also look at our hands and see the evidence of his work through those same hands. I'm not talking about a division of that. I'm not talking about a church that just talks about character and the fruit of the Spirit and we have to make ourselves better and we have to just look like Jesus all the time. I'm talking about that married to and we also believe that his power to resurrect the literal death dwells in us just like it did back in that day. I'm talking about the marriage of declaring the word and demonstrating the word because that's what Mark 16 says. He says you're going to go and you're going to preach and when you do, they can, he confirmed the word with signs following. So we declare the word and then we demonstrate that this thing is true. If you take a look around the room today, look at all you've got to declare. Look at the demonstrations of God in the lives of people around this room. The different testimonies of salvation and where we all came from. Different ways that we were in, away from God and didn't know him. And yet somehow he found us and brought us to himself. Some of us in deep, deep pits, deep, deep holes of sin. It would have looked to the, to the human understanding that there was no way to reach down and get us. And yet here you are today. You have the testimony of the demonstration of God's power. Some of you, how many of you have ever been miraculously healed in your physical body? Raise your hand. Look at that. Look at that. All right. How many of you have ever experienced supernatural financial provision? There was no explanation other than God just worked a miracle. Look at that. We are the demonstration that God is alive and he does what he says. So it's time for us to believe that we are and then begin to act like we are because the world needs to see it. We are determined that that someone, that church is going to be us. We've seen too much. We've experienced too much for us to go back now. We know that with God all things are possible. We're not doubting about that now. We're going all the way into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we've dug into Acts this year so far, and it's clear that the early church was what we're calling an I church. Now, what do we mean? We mean that they were a church of innovation, of increased capacities, and of influence. See, in chapter 10, the work of God, the moving of the Spirit of God, created a challenge. Because when Peter showed up, showed up at Cornelius' house, he had been requested to come there. That wasn't on his agenda. He shows up at this Gentile home, 
And they just ask him to speak what was on his heart. And he speaks of the gospel. While he's talking, he didn't ask for this. While he's talking, the Holy Spirit's poured out on the Gentiles just like it, is, it had been on the Jewish believers. And now God is making his will known. God just navigated around man and said, I don't know if y'all will get this or not, so let me just do it for you. I don't know if you would ever pray, Peter, for them to be saved and baptized with the Spirit, so let me just do it while you're watching so that the world will understand that I'm after all men. I'm after the Jew and the Gentile. And so that's what he did, but it created a problem. The problem was this. We, 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 don't, we don't know how to handle that, Jewish, that non-Jewish folks are now brothers and sisters. How do we understand this? Up to this point, we had, we had thought this was a Jewish thing and, and that he's a Jewish Messiah and, and, and redemption is, is through our race and, and now the Gentiles are as much in a relationship with Jesus as we are and, and they had to work through this. It created a challenge and so they became innovators because they had to embrace different. We have to embrace different. God is changing us. God, I'm talking about individuals now. God is growing us. God is challenging us, just like Erica mentioned this morning. And we have to be innovators. We have to be those that say, Lord, I'm not so stuck in. The... Listen, we have to decide that God is our God and our tradition is not our God. God is my God and not the way I've always done things in my life. God is my God. Comfort is not my God. God is my God, the way everybody else does it, is not my God. Innovation. So that when the Holy Spirit says, this is what we're doing, you're ready to go. You're ready to go. Innovators. That's what they became. That's what they became. And, and so they embraced. They embraced the Gentiles. They embraced Gentile believers. They embraced ministry to the Gentiles. And listen to this. Don't misunderstand. When God works in your life, God was working in this first century, when the Spirit of God was poured out on Gentiles, that was the work of God. Make no mistake, in your life, when God is working, challenges get created. Don't be naive and shallow in your understanding of a relationship with Jesus. You say, well, I thought Jesus solved all the problems. Well, eventually he does. But when he starts working in your life, he's going to create certain problems. Certain conflicts that you're going to have to resolve. Certain decisions that you're going to have to make. Certain priorities that are going to have to change. Certain people that you might have to rearrange your relationship with them. Because when God is working, he may present what is now a new challenge to you. And we can't back up just because we don't like to be challenged. We can't, we can't slip away from it because we're not comfortable with it. No, no. When God works in our lives, it may create some change. It's always going to challenge your flesh. When God works in your life, you're going to be challenged by the enemy. You're going to be challenged by other people. See, and that doesn't seem right to us. We think everybody ought to rejoice if we're walking with God and doing what he's called us to do and being obedient. But sometimes there's people that aren't real wild about that. Because you now, now you're changing. And your priorities and your talk and your attitude are different. And, your, and, and the way you spend your time is different. And, and, and they don't get to talk about the same people with you they used to. And they don't get to do the same. You don't make them feel justified in their own sin anymore. And so sometimes people become a conflict. 
the status quo becomes accomplished. Your faith gets challenged when God starts moving. Can I believe God now for bigger things? When God brings you an opportunity, there's also the opportunity to have to believe him to do it. We always believe that we want God to do great things, but for him to do great things, there has to be great either challenges or opportunities. And if there are, then that means our faith, we get to decide if it rises to the occasion or not. So the challenge for Peter and the apostles was Gentiles receiving salvation, and suddenly they decide they're going to flow with God and they're not going to resist him. Because there's no neutral ground when it comes to our relationship with God. Not choosing to cooperate with God is choosing to rebel. Now that's, that's a strong word. But when we choose not to cooperate, we are choosing to rebel. Not saying yes to God is saying no. See, when you frame it that way, you probably, your heart probably doesn't want to say no to God. But sometimes we put our yes on a shelf for a later day. Well, I, I'd, I'd rather think about that. Lord, I know that's a good idea. I know I probably need to address that. I know I probably need to do that. I know you're probably calling me to do that. But, I, but can I wait? Can I put that up here on a shelf for a little while? I know that's probably the right thing. But we put it on a shelf, and when we, when we put it on a shelf, you, you realize you're saying no. Well, but not forever. Well, but for right now you are. And he didn't ask you for later, he asked you for now. Saying, not saying yes is saying no. Jesus said himself, the one who isn't against us is for us. So in other words, in the kingdom, it is one way or it is the other. We don't get to cooperate with God on our own terms. So the apostles said yes to God and what they did became innovative. They became flexible and they welcomed the Gentiles. And we're being called in 2024 to be innovative, to follow God into his ways, not not the ways of 1954, not the ways of 2009. But for now, for us starting, for us as a church, starting new campuses is innovative. I know other people have done it, but for us it's innovation. We've never done it until the last few years. For us beginning a network and connecting to all these other pastors and churches and helping bless and help them, that was innovation. Buying a building, remodeling, having a hope center and outreach ministries, innovative for us. It's not that no one else has ever done it, but for us, it's, it's innovative. And so we're being called to innovation to go forward because God has ideas and plans going forward for us. And so the question is this, in your individual life, are you following the Lord who said, the author of these words, behold, I do a new thing? Or do you only follow when he does the same old thing? when it's all familiar and comfortable. Now the church became innovative and they immediately then created a need for increased capacities because they've allowed the Gentiles, they're believing this is a real, a, a real move of God, but now we have to figure out how we're going to make decisions about this and how we're going to share those decisions and how we're going to relate to them and what, what should be expected of the Gentiles concerning the law because there was a lot of different teachings at that time. And so now they've got to have increased capacities of wisdom and counsel. So the book of Acts tells us that in about chapter 15, they had something called the Council at Jerusalem. And this is where they, innovation leads to increased capacity. The Holy Spirit shows them how to meet, 
to talk through the needs, make a decision, and then make a decree, and then release that through a letter that they send out there. Increase capacity. Now, look at the impact, though. And here's the point for today that you're going to take home. The impact of what became because they increased their capacity and allowed the Lord to innovate through them. Wasn't comfortable. Probably challenged some of their theology. Probably challenged some of their preconceived ideas, but they they went with the Lord. But look what the impact became. It wasn't just so they could be clever. It wasn't because they were seeking to be on the cutting edge of ministry. Oh, we want to do cool new things. No, no, they were just literally following the direction of the Lord. But look at the outcome. The outcome of being able to let the Lord innovate through them and then allowing him to increase their capacity became this influence. And this is what it sounded like because the apostles embraced the ministry to Gentiles. This is what it sounds like. This is the influence. Acts 13, 46. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary the word of God should be spoken to you first, speaking to Jews. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I've set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through all the region. The point of innovation and increased capacity in God's kingdom is increased influence. In other words, innovation and increased capacity opens the door, creates the conditions and enables the message and the power of the kingdom of God to impact more lives. That is the point. We do what God calls us to do that looks different, sounds different. It may be a new area of ministry. It may be a new way of doing it. And it's not so that we can get on the map and somebody can write a book about us. It is because God is leading us to influence more and different people. Because God's plan for the redemption of man was not just the Jew. This is, this is what Simeon said about the baby Jesus, eight days old. He rehearsed the promise of the Old Testament that he would also be a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. Yes. God's intention of redemption was not a small group, a limited number, but he was thinking the whole world. Thank God for who we've been able to reach, but there's more to reach. Thank God for the people that know, but there's more to know. Thank God for the people who uh, he's given us the favor with to minister to, but there's more to minister to. In fact, if every building, every house of worship, Christian worship in Jonesboro were filled to capacity this morning a couple of times, we wouldn't even begin to come close to make a dent in the population of this community. So there are more. There are more for us to reach. There are more different kinds of people for us to reach. And God is taking the limits off of who can hear and who can be changed by the power of God when he calls us to innovate. And because we were open to innovation in so many areas, 
and I'm going to give you a specific one. Let's say recently, because Pastor Micah and I were open to being innovative and becoming chaplains, something we'd not done. Other people have done it, so for them it's not innovation, but for us it is. Because we were willing to do that, that innovation of becoming a chaplain and, and, and doing a whole different kind of ministry, what did that do? That opens up a whole other area of people that we now have influence over that I would have never met most of them. Wouldn't have known their names. Wouldn't have been praying for them. Didn't know they existed. Certainly wouldn't have known their circumstances. Certainly wouldn't have had the opportunity to speak anything into their lives. And now at any moment, I may be getting a text message about any kind of need from any one of those folks. And I'll either be on the scene or in prayer, but I'm a, uh, it's a whole group of people to where innovation turns into influence when you let God lead you in the direction he has you to go. A whole other dimension to your ministry. And if God allows you, leads you to innovate, to do something different in your life, to add a dimension or to, to change the way you do something, think about the people on the other end of it who get to hear because you obeyed, who get to experience God because you cooperated. Yes, you may have had some discomfort to overcome or some insecurities to deal with. You may have had a learning curve. But think about the people on the other end of that. Their lives are worth it. Their eternity is worth it. Who could you influence if you were open to God using you in innovation in your life? It, are there people in this church who would be affected if you began to serve in some area? Are there folks that you meet, that we meet every week at the Hope Center, that you would be willing and able to touch if you would let God speak to you about it? Are there babies and families in the nursery and, the, and, and in the special needs ministry that you'd be able to invest in if you answered God's call there? Who would you influence if instead of sharing funny memes and pictures of your last meal on social media, who might be affected if you shared your testimony? Because many of us, of us in this room have, and when you do, it's amazing the feedback you get. It opens a door of influence to people. They start asking you for things like prayer and explain to me what God did for you. For some, that would be an innovation for you to share anything publicly, but what difference could it make in someone's life if you did? Who could be changed if you were willing to go, like Tim said, on the next mission trip? What would happen if instead of talking to the same seven people at church every week, you innovated and made it your ministry to always talk to newcomers first and to never leave anybody out? Or what difference would it make if you decided at church I'm going to seek out some of these young people and just say something to them. Let them know I notice them. I care about them. I'm praying for them. Well, I don't know how to talk to them. Well, let me give you a good idea of what works. If you want to be able to talk to them, be willing to listen to them. And if they don't want to talk, maybe you just tell them you love them and you pray for them. Maybe you just let them know that somebody's on their side. What difference could that possibly make? 
How could God use you if you chose to never do, to do something you've never done before? What might your influence be? What if you wrote the book that's in your heart or shared the blog or wrote the letter or the message to the person that you've been praying for for years? What if you actually did it? Innovation isn't just about doing something new. It's about doing something new so you can have influence. This network conference coming up, that's new for us. It's not because we needed more work or a different event. But it's a chance to broaden our influence and invest not into individual people only, but into pastors who affect a church and a community. Multiply people. Acts 13, 48. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, that they get to be included, that God's innovation has brought them in to the family. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. The reality of expanding your influence is this. The Gentiles heard it and were glad. It will literally make someone glad to hear your story. It will make somebody glad that you were willing to pray for them. It will make somebody glad that you took time and served them, that you helped them, that you were there when someone else wasn't. It will make them glad to receive your word or receive your prayer. And here we are battling insecurities and fear issues and questions, and yet someone is waiting on you to influence them. Church family, you are the answer to someone's prayers because you carry the Jesus that they need. You carry the wisdom that they need. You carry the power in your life that they need. So when you walk on the scene, you may be carrying their answer. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, you're God reigns it's beautiful that you're willing to go and verse 48 48 goes on to say the Gentiles were glad and glorified the word of God if there's ever a thing and ever a time in America that we need something it's for the word of God to be elevated again there was a time in America where there was honor given to God's word now it's mostly dishonor and that seems to be in evidence everywhere. The word of God needs to be esteemed again. How are we going to make that happen? We can't force people to respect God's word. No. But what we can do is the innovation, the directions, the ideas that God gives you. You go and fulfill it. And the Gentiles ended up honoring God's word because of the obedience of God's people. When you go and you act in the name of Jesus, you live in the character of God, you demonstrate his power, you know what you're doing to people? You are validating that the word of God really is true. Oh, God really is love. God really is graceful and compassionate. God really does have the power. God really does see me and care about where I'm at because he sent somebody to me. The word of God becomes confirmed when you become the sign that follows it. The Gentiles heard. They were glad. They glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life 
believed. They didn't just encourage them. They didn't just make them feel better. They brought Jesus to them and these people were saved. What if God has the salvation of people in mind on the other side of your obedience, on the other side of your innovation, of your doing the thing God's leading you to do? What if there's someone's actual eternal soul that's the result of you being willing to do what's new or uncomfortable or different? When you put it in those terms, it's worth it. If you want to motivate yourself past the insecurities and past the difficulty and the challenges of doing what God's asked you to, just think about the possibility of an eternal soul coming to know the Lord because you did what God called you to do. That ought to fuel you right past the difficulties and into obedience. And it reached beyond, Rhonda, you can come, individuals. Because verse 49 says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Let's stop thinking that our reach is limited. That what we do won't make much of a difference. That there's no way we can impact our city or our region or our state or America. No. When we exercise kingdom influence, the word of God can spread throughout a region. It spread using folks that had zero technology. They didn't have printed page. They were dis- disseminating in multiplied copies. There's no phones. There's no media. And yet the word still spread because these innovators said, we'll just take it where we get the chance to take it. And the word spread throughout the region. We want to see America impacted. We want to see our nation change. I prayed just today for an awakening in Jonesboro. Lord, please wake up every person that doesn't know you, just in our city. I don't know how that's going to happen. Oh, I do. The word of the Lord will spread if we'll spread it. If we'll innovate. If we'll do the things God's leading us as a church and as individuals to do. God's intention is to spread. I'm looking for a footprint at refuge that covers the earth. I'm looking for a ministry footprint in my life. Listen to this. That is equal to everywhere I go. Not just, well, I minister in that setting. Or at church I serve. Or there's a couple of people at work I've been talking to about Jesus. No. I'm looking for a ministry footprint on my life that equals everywhere I've left a mark. Every place the sole of your feet treads. I believe Israel was told that at one point. I'm believing for that ministry footprint for my life. What if we all believe for that? That what we leave behind us anywhere we ever are is the aroma of Jesus. The reputation of Jesus. The example of Jesus. The power of Jesus. What if we left that behind everywhere? If the folks just in this room did that, think of where that would mean for Northeast Arkansas because of all of the connections we have and the places we are in the course of a week. If we will innovate and obey God, we can influence. How many today will sign up to be an influence? How many of us will say yes to whatever God says for us?
something different or something new or some direction. Anything God shows us to influence the lost, the hurting, the bound, the broken, the needy. Is this going to be a house of influence? Yes, I declare it. We will be. But will you be a person of influence? That's up to you. Your answer, if it's yes, it's going to make a great difference. and Somebody's going to be glad that you said yes. With eyes closed, I want to ask you this morning, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you are a member of a church or did you get baptized at a certain age? I'm asking you, is Jesus the Lord of your life today? Are you walking with him? He's forgiven your sins. You have a relationship with him. If not, this is your day. When you accept the Lord, you receive a brand new life. Old things pass away, all things become new. There's forgiveness, but there's also a clean slate and a new future. And God, the God of heaven, comes to live in your life and work. What an awesome thing. So I wonder who would say, Pastor, I need to turn my life over to Jesus today, and I know it. I want to know to pray for somebody, if that's you. If you raise your hand, I'm just going to know that we need to pray about it. If that's you, you need Jesus today, and you know it. Anyone in this room? Thank you so much. Someone else? Thank you so much. Someone else? Okay, then I'm going to pray for you, Father. I pray for those in this room today that are choosing to turn their life over to you. I pray that like the Bible says, they would now know that they are the children of God and that you would be alive inside of them and give them a new life today. In Jesus' name. Now I've prayed for you and I'm asking, will you do? The Bible says, it's Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead then you'll be saved if that's what you're ready for would you pray this prayer that I'm going to lead you in it's not a formula it's just the expression of Romans 10 so if you're, if you're ready to pray that pray that with us today church family help me let's pray Lord Jesus I believe you're the son of God I believe that you lived and died and rose again. Today I know I'm away from you. But I confess my sin to you. And I confess you as Lord. Take control of my life and make me new. In Jesus' name. Father, I bless them now to experience the love of God and the grace and your presence that will walk with them through every day. I thank you for their lives. If you're saying yes to being an influencer for God this morning, some of you never dreamed you'd be an influencer, but what if you were an influencer for God? Would you stand and you're just going to say yes to whatever he leads you to do?
however he calls you to innovate. You're just saying yes. Let's pray that together. Father, here we are. We know that you're wanting to move us as individuals and as a church into areas of influence and change. So, Lord, move us there. Motivate us and direct us there. Guide our feet there. Lord, anoint and enable us there because today we say yes. Lord, I thank you that you're going to give us clear direction of what that means every moment, every day. And I thank you for the result of those who will come to know you and be changed in Jesus' name. Amen.